0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story when we are streaming live at those times at RichardDugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, many other locations across the internet. We are also on YouTube. You can watch these interviews. You can meet our guests and um, we'll also be linked to our guests' website as we always are so that you can find out more about the work that they are doing. We also encourage you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision. For those of you maybe may be joining us for the first time wondering, well, what's that? What it is is we ask you to take the time, spend the time going within and listening to that still, small voice. And uh, get that guidance and information and inspiration, encouragement, whatever the case may be. Uh, as you and sometimes it's just a question of just sitting quietly. Maybe you don't hear anything, and that's okay, because we all need that sh- downtime, so to speak. So please take the time during during this the decade of perfect vision. We also ask that if you can support this work financially, the work that we've been doing for over fifteen years now, we uh, have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. So um, whatever you can afford. And we'll take energetic support as well. Uh, You know, it's not that we're picky uh, or it's not that we're not picky. Uh, Certainly the dollars and cents can certainly help us. But, you know, sometimes uh, good energy will uh, lift us through the the challenges as we go through our days. So with all of that said, we're going to introduce you to a woman who uh, at the age, amazing stuff here, of 31 She was half my age when she became a millionaire. Melissa Hughes, she's the founder of Live Rich, Spread Wealth, Global Movement. She's a master business coach, best-selling author, international speaker, and consultant. Welcome to Tell Me Your Story. It's a great pleasure to have you here with us.
1: It's an honor to be here with you Richard. thank you so much and I appreciate all that you do and thanks for having such a great space where people can come and listen to some amazing stories.
0: Well that's that. yeah that's what we uh, want to hear you we want to hear your amazing story as well uh, I guess one of the first questions I want to ask were you happy before you made the million?
1: Oh that's such a good question and I would say that. I was, no, not before I made the million. I wasn't because I was coming from corporate America at the time and I was appreciative, but I wasn't where I, I felt I, 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 I should be in order to make the biggest difference.
0: Now, when you say that, you're saying that you weren't where you uh, should be uh, physically, mentally, maybe emotionally uh, as far as your life's purpose.
1: Yes, as far as, so, you know, I grew up in uh, corporate America, if you will. And um, it hit me one day, honestly, I was in this really nice hotel room, great view outside. And I was under the, I was just like knowing that I could not participate in outside. I I was confined to the room because as so many other people have experienced. I was on back-to-back calls, putting out fires, answering emails. So while I was in this great place, the work that I was doing, I was like, this cannot be it it just cannot be it to have a vacation lifestyle without the vacation this could not be what life was all about and i thought to myself initially uh, this is kind of the programming that i had was the more money you make the more freedom you'll have Mm -hmm. and the experience that i had within corporate at that time is it was the exact opposite like every increase every bonus it was like those handcuffs were tightening and tightening And, um, you know, I wasn't really fulfilled. My career dictated my life. So the more money that I made, I had less time to be with the people that I loved and also lesser time for myself. It ended up being very stressful, very frustrating, unfulfilling. And I was miserable. But at the end of the day, Richard, I was too ashamed to admit it. My family were immigrants. Mm -hmm. They came here from Jamaica. So Mm, I was living the American dream. I should be, I should be grateful. I tell myself, I mean, I got a lot of skills. I got awards and recognition, but deep down inside, I just knew there should be more. And at times that little voice, that little voice would tell me there's more, Mm -hmm. there's another way. But, you know, I was so focused on all those facts,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: get the education, get married, you know, get the job, you know, all these things, the white picket fence. Um, and I would just end up feeling like, you know what, I understand that this is the blueprint and these are the facts, but then there came a time where I chose to listen to the little voice. I listened to it and I said, you know what? I don't know what this other way is, but I am determined to find out what that is. And I, I decided to do that. And I, from then on, I started investing in myself. I started working with some coaches, joining some masterminds. I had a lot of introspection. Um, because I was going against the grade, if you will, it was, you are know, like, why are you leaving that good job to start your own business? And so as a result of making those sacrifices and changing the direction, now I have a business that a, a life that dictates my business as opposed to the business dictating my life. Now I get to be with the people that I love, that I get to hang out and I cherish and have time for myself as opposed to having no time with the people that I love. And I'm not overwhelmed and stressed anymore. I'm actually living a life that I didn't, I knew existed, by, but I got everything that I wanted and more that I couldn't even imagine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying my story is unique because I know that there's a lot of people working. They have their money, maybe even making a lot of money, but they're not able to have to experience life to the fullest. Or many people doing great things in the world, but they also have to make sure they feed their souls, too. Um, But I feel like all of us have this little voice, and some of us have ignored it to the detriment of our life, our careers, our health, and our relationships. So I believe, and I love what you entered with, with the, you know, uh, perfect vision, I believe that when we listen to the little voice inside of us, that we all have access to, that that's when real living can begin, when we trust ourselves to, yes, think about, you know, be guided not just by the facts, but also by, I'd say, our intuition, life is better, business is more profitable, and legacy is lasting. Because I know for a fact, Richard, I would not be here with you if I did not listen to that little voice.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, how the free enterprise and capitalists, capital, capital oh, I can't think of the right word here, Capital, um, capitalist system, tend to create um, myths about what is really important. Right. And we have corporations, we have individuals who are in those corporations across this country, if not around the world. And the bottom line is, for them, is the bottom line. Right. And I sit here and I think, and I put this question to you, you, you were able to um, become a millionaire by the age of 31. Now, first of all, I want to ask, was that strictly, let's just say, in cash or was that a, um, you were a millionaire uh, with uh, a, a bank account and other assets in terms of a business that you were running that was, a, that was assessed at a certain level? Um,
1: It was definitely um, a combination of real estate, of my business, as well as money in the bank. So it was the whole combination. Um, And so that's what really put me in the millionaire status at that time. Uh, The revenues were there and all that. However, you asked me if I was happy when I was before then. I will tell you, not only was I, I was happy in the sense that that was the first brick and mortar business that I ever had. And I was working a lot, but I felt so satisfied. <laughs> I was, I, I felt like I felt like okay, all my hard work now will amount to something. Whereas I was always, I was never afraid of hard work, but I realized that when I was in corporate, uh, the the rewards and all this stuff like that were limited. I felt like freedom would be able to bust out of that and create my own way, and I saw that that was possible. But I will also say that. That first business took me through the most spiritual. I knew God before Mm. (laughs) that business. I think that's when my my full spirituality was birthed through being a business owner in my first first company that I actually created. Mm. Um, And so I remember a time where, uh, so yes, Millionaire by 31. However, I'm not saying that it was like easy street. It was that I I had the opportunity to listen to my intuition and I followed that. And what that looked like also was there was a time where I didn't even know if I could pay a payroll. Mm. (laughs) I was on a Thursday. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was so long ago. And um, I, at that time, it was new to me. I said, you know what? I would rather die than look people in the face and tell them that I cannot pay them for the work that they already did and they already have family and responsibilities. This is their work that they were using to put bread on the table. Yeah. And um, and that night I was in a different state than my family at the time. And that night my mom called me. I, I wouldn't say it was serendipitous, it was pretty divine. So much so she understood I was in a really dark place and mm-hmm. she called my grandmother in Jamaica. And those two women sat on the phone with me that night. And um, that morning when I was walking to my business, there was a gentleman there that was there to pay for his wife to be to have a membership. Mm. which covered not only the rest of the payroll that I was short, but also gave me enough money for supplies. And I will tell you, I used to be this type A, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Like run up the hill. If there's a problem, let me just get with strength, (laughs) you know, I can do all those things. But in that moment, I was all, I almost didn't even make it to the next day. So in that moment, I knew that this was a God thing. Mm. And that supported me. So I was like, I knew now to get out of the way sometimes (laughs) and to be a better listener.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's important, too, uh, to be the listener. We're talking with Melissa Hughes. She is a a philanthropist. Uh, Your website, is that uh, melissahughes.com?
1: Yes, it is melissahews.com. Then
0: we'll be linked to that website so people can find out more about you and the work that you are doing as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have Melissa Hughes with us to talk about this concept of philanthropy when it comes to supporting people and their dreams. And uh, I know that it's it's focused on entrepreneurs in particular. Um, We have seen some incredible, just absolutely over-the-top generosity over the years, uh, some stories that we've seen, whether it's around the holidays or otherwise, where um, there is somebody who is standing there watching what's going on and saying, you know what, I think, uh, maybe in this case, uh, as, as you've talked, I'm being led to do this. I'm being led to help this person in some fashion. And it's not that there are strings attached. I, I love the television program Undercover Boss. Yes, now, <laughs> that's very entertaining. I could never do that because I, I don't work in a large company where I could go undercover. It, it, that you know, it's we just don't have the staff to you know to do that. So. Uh, But I I love it because at the end, after this gal or guy, whoever they are, uh, who's been up maybe in the ivory tower and finally sees the work that the people who are making the money, who are generating the products and services that are generating the revenue that is making this uh, Fortune 50 or Fortune 500 or whatever, a company, and they... They give back to these people and they help them specifically, whether it's, hey, you and your family are going on vacation or, hey, we're going to pay for so-and-so's medical bills until they get maybe the kidney transplant or something of this nature. Or, you know, we know that you've wanted this, that or the other thing and they get them a a brand new car to help them out and what have you. Uh, Even those programs where they they, uh, go in and they completely refurbish a home. You know, for someone. And I mean, it's so beautiful. But there is not so much a catch on the part of the givers, but there's a catch on the part of the receiver if they don't change their mindset. Because we've heard the stories of lottery winners. I mean, I'm curious as to what this, this person who won the $2 billion Where this person will be in one year. Right. So let's talk about that aspect of it. You're a philanthropist. You help people out. And I'm sure you've come across this from time to time where the individual, yes, they took your gift and they began to use it. And then, I don't know, they lost interest or they whatever the case might be. And then when it's all over, they have nothing. They don't have what you gave them. They don't even have what they had built in the first place.
1: Right. I do believe that, you know, first of all, abundance is a muscle. So it's just like going to the gym. If you go to the gym for the first day and you're here lifting 50 pounds and you've never been near 50 pounds, it's going to hurt you. So when it comes to getting a lot of money without having the mindset, without understanding how this really works as far as, you know, the flow of money and, and and how money is actually just, in essence, sometimes just energy, right? Like, it's what you do with it that matters. It's not just the money for money's sake. And with with having money and no level of training or awareness in reference to that, money could actually kill. It could kill your dream. It could kill you. It could kill a lot of things mm-hmm. if you were not understanding the flow in which money works. And so I know that, um, you know, me and my family, we have a nonprofit organization and we do give back and we, you know, our whole mission is to eliminate generational poverty, one student at a time. And while we do give money to students, we also support them in mentoring and coaching because they are coming from families that don't have a lot of means. But what we saw with them is that they have character, they are they have great grades. So we don't want to have a lack of education be taken away from them because of a lack of funds, but then not only to be smart, but now that you're able to go into this world where your family hasn't before, there are different things that need to be uh, exposed to mindset, way of thinking, so that you truly are, you know, changing the trajectory, right? And you don't do that just by yourself in a vacuum. So with that, or even when I donate to you know different educational uh, means i do support actually it's not just the money i give i also give my time
0: mm-hmm.
1: because i understand the importance of uh, making sure that people can handle getting even reaching their goals and their aspirations sometimes you know you did not even think it was possible much less you land there and you're like oh my gosh what am i doing now and depending on the influences and in the conversations you're in you could either keep on soaring or you can be pulled down And so those are things to be mindful of. So money is not the only solution. It is definitely a help and a factor. But when you're blessing someone, make sure that you consider those other things along with the money. And even if you don't personally do the mentorship, see if there's parts of the organization that can also provide that level of uh, mentorship or something of that nature with it. I can't speak to the lottery because I know nothing about that. But when it comes to the philanthropic efforts, I know that for the kids and for people that are benefiting from that, we really want to be able to put them in a position to teach them how to fish.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that. And, and I find it interesting. You know, I've been working. Um, well, I've been working for, let's see, I started uh, really working uh, when I was 12 years old delivering newspapers in eighth grade. You too. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, if it still existed in the form that it did back then, I kid you not, I would go back and do it again.
1: I was scared. I was, it was early in the dark. I was afraid of dogs. <laughs> my, my dad would be looking at me from the window. He said I was so scared. I did the paper route, but that dark, the nighttime got me in the morning.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, uh, my first route
1: ethic, though. Great yeah, well,
0: my first route was around my neighborhood where I grew up, and I dealt with dogs and and <laughs> so forth and so on. And it was uh, every morning; it was it was dark and everything because I was delivering at that time the morning paper. Yes. Then I got into high school my freshman year, and I said I'm going to switch over to the evening paper. However, uh-huh. they still delivered the Sunday morning paper. Uh, there was no. Uh, there was the Arizona Republic and the Phoenix Gazette. The Gazette did not have a Sunday edition. Okay. So I still had to get up on Sunday mornings. Uh, but it was it was not only the freedom of bicycling through the apartment complexes and at there were times I had a hundred customers. Wow. Yeah. And I could throw the paper up to the third floor or down to the first floor. There was there were some apartment complexes that were split level. Yes. And I might circle the pool, tossing, because I knew exactly where. And I remember once I tossed one paper up, it went, the front door was open, and it went in and landed on the customer's lap. Oh, wow. Oh, and he awesome. said, now that's what I call service. Absolutely- and I'm thinking, yeah, that's what I call um, maybe not such a great <laughs> name. But he didn't mind it, so it was fine. But it was Uh-oh. then the people that I met. Yes. And the conversations that I might have with them, you know, that kind of thing. So that job probably opened the door. And I won multiple awards for subscription sales. I I don't know how many times I went to Disneyland. That's awesome. So I had a great time. So that's one job I would go back to if it weren't for this job that I love even more, you know, because I'm kind I don't have to deliver newspapers, but. I get to I get to go into the guest's world. It's like to me it's like opening up a Christmas present. Yes, yes
1: And going yes. into
0: a world that I've never been in before and learning things that I've never learned before. And uh, the world that we are into today is the world of Melissa Hughes philanthropist. melissahughes.com is the website. She uh, definitely is a mentor. She is there to coach and support and encourage Uh, both nationally and internationally. Uh, And, of course, we encourage you to go to that website as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and um, I, I have to ask you if when people find out about your level of wealth... Uh, do do people hitch up i mean hey you know not i don't mean 20 bucks but i've got this great idea melissa and i can i share it with you cuz i mean you know cuz i'd love for you to come in go in on it because it would really it, it would really take off kind of thing you ever you, you get that often i have had that before and i think that
1: i had that when i was a little bit um, less mature about <laughs> the 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 path that led me to be a millionaire mm-hmm. um i i believe that there was a point in time i think uh, business ownership a lot of it is you get the best out of it when you do personal development um the way that i became a millionaire is because i had the tools i had the i was groomed to be a a, a giver mm mm-hmm. So, out of my level and and my heightened ability to be of service, that's really how I was able to make the money. I wasn't setting out to be a millionaire. I was setting out to be a value to the community. As a result, I became a millionaire. But I will tell you, I didn't think I was worthy of the
0: money. Oh wow! Right, that's that's huge. That really is. (laughs) That's very huge for me.
1: Uh, I didn't think I was. I, I was groomed as a giver and as a people pleaser. So now i have this money and if you had an idea or i felt that there was something i could do it wasn't mine anyway you know like i would definitely be more um giving and things of that nature and uh what i realized is that there has to be healthy boundaries in all the all things right because mm-hmm. if i gave it all away and i had nothing for my legacy and things of that nature fortunately at that time i did not have legacy specific per se um uh you know that wouldn't be good for anyone either because I really want to do good in the world and I need to be able to be sustained in that doing that. So when I was younger in wealth, I I that's kind of how I felt. And it showed up in uh, throwing a lot of money away at ideas and things of that nature. As I got more mature in uh, my responsibilities in the world, as well as with my clients and also with what I really want to do in the world for more philanthropic endeavors, I had to be more, um, I, in my company, we pick where we're going to donate mm-hmm. every year annually um, not only that from a financial perspective but before the pandemic I adopted an all-girl public school in the city of Detroit and I would go there and mentor and coach them once a month and so I so my my philanthropic efforts are not only financially but it's also mentorship in those ways. The little girls, they can't, they'll never be able to at that time pay for my coaching, but that's where I would freely give because I know it all starts with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, now it's not that easy to do that, yeah. I will say. Um, I've just grown up more and I'm more mature with how I decide to contribute and donate. Um, and the great ideas, uh, you know, I if there's I do have a sister, she just won. Uh, a reality TV show, and it was called "The Billion Dollar Idea" on Fox Business Network. Oh wow! So she will she will attribute a lot of that for me being her older sister. So yeah, I will take ideas, and I will be able to support people with it. But I'm not as accessible from that perspective anymore.
0: And that I understand, and I, I can only imagine what uh, people like uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk uh, or some of the other millionaire billionaires uh, across the uh, across the country. Uh, deal with as well, including lottery winners who win two billion dollars. Yes. You know, yes. It's like ah, I want to hide. I'm going to bury this exactly. in the ground. Exactly. I'm not going to tell you where. Uh, it's not going to be like that guy who passed away and he had uh, what was it? That treasure chest and he had a map and clues and everything. All right? Yeah. No, it's not going to be that. I didn't hear. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Not that way. No. At the same time, for example, I've been doing this for 43 years. And I, I talk about this on occasion on this program where I have a massive toolbox, metaphorically speaking. Yes. I have accumulated all kinds of tools from analog all the way on up uh, to the skills and the abilities that I use today to do some of the things that I do. Yes. And I think why, if and app- apparently it's not that important to me, but... Why is it that I'm not making more money than I, sh- I should be making hundreds of thousands of dollars for the work that I do, but I'm not. Now, I would love to have more decimal uh, more zeros to the left of the decimal point. Sure. And, and I suppose who wouldn't? But then the question comes up at what cost?
1: Absolutely.
0: Talk to us a little bit about that. This is not to dissuade anybody.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will give you a prime example. So I do. I support people on how to monetize their sole purpose. And so, you know, I had a couple come in for a VIP day and they said, you know what, Melissa, we want to make a million dollars next year. And I was like, all right, let's sit out to show you what that actually looks like. (laughs) Right. And they were not, they were probably about 350 at the time. Right. And so I said, all right, here is the plan. And they said, you know what? We're okay if we make a half a million dollars next year because they still want to spend time with the grandchildren. They still wanted to be able to take their vacations. They still want to be able to take care of themselves. Uh, you know, money money is fine, but you know what? If your health isn't fine, you're not wealthy. No matter how much money you have. Absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: So, so you want to be, so what I'm just saying to, as a prime example is, you know, when you're looking to make lots of money, it is okay to say you can be both and i think a lot of people say either or either i make a lot of money at the cost of everything else or i'm i am this homebody, or i love my family i have all these high values so therefore i don't want money because money is the root of all evil yeah and i say well you know what let's think of another way of thinking of this let's look at both and how can you be good do the things that you value with the people that you most do the things that you value with the people you value and be able to be profitable and successful and build legacy, so that you're making more money than your your life can can spend, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, why don't we look at both? And and yes, is it more of a you do work a little bit more because your intentions are different? Sure. But but your life is richer. And actually, you'll see the richness is not only because of the monetization, but it's rich because you're fully present for the people that you love. You get to be happy about the little things. You find joy and gratitude in the simple things. And you see your team differently because they're people and they have families and you're you're vested in, you know, their success as well. And so, um, you know, money is not everything. Now, can I say that because I have money? Well, no, because when I was in corporate, I had money there, too. But guess what? I, I worked harder in corporate than I did in my own business. And it doesn't mean that I work like I, I don't work. I do. But it's a different energy that I'm bringing to the table. And you're talking about having all this knowledge. Well, the thing about that is you got to know how to package it. <laughs> like, like, like going mm. to the Like I have also, just like you, a lot of knowledge. But I said, you know what? I'm going to be coaching the giants of the world. Everybody isn't a giant. I'm just going to say it. You know what I mean? And when I mean giant, I mean the people that understand it's bigger than them, that they're all about using their intuition, that they're willing to use their education and their gifts to to support humanity in a positive way, that they are natural troubleshooters. They always want to bring a solution to the table and um and so when i'm working and they're highly educated and things of that nature so when i do work with them i said okay they can handle my they can handle all this knowledge (laughs) because it's like getting too much money if you're not used to it if you're not used to so much knowledge then it's going to be for naught. yeah so i had to find the appropriate clientele to say okay they can handle this they can handle their giant they need to know how to make that impact have healthy boundaries get paid handsomely, know how to package their brilliance in a way that lands with the people that they're there to serve. So that's some work, but it does take work, mm-hmm. but you also want to make sure that the people you love don't suffer because you're a giant in the world.
0: Melissahues.com is the website. Melissa Hughes is my guest and you are listening to tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, uh, we're talking not just about money, we're talking about abundance, we're talking about prosperity in all its forms. I worked for a a Christian radio station back in the 80s and early 90s in the heyday of televangelism and we all know what that was all about money. I mean the, 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 the dark side of it shall we say was it was all about the money and it was so disheartening on my part um, and maybe it was part of the reason why I didn't, as I put it, I didn't toe the party line. You know, my my boss said uh, when I moved on to other things that I was a casualty of Christian radio. Uh, I was curious. Uh, I uh, studied all of the different philosophies. I actually became a Baha'i for about a year and a half. Uh, I've studied Buddhism and, and uh, Hinduism and... Uh, the teachings and the writings of Paramahansa Yogananda in particular. I'm in the process now of learning more about the Jewish faith, you know, and, and so forth, and wanting to learn more about Islam and the thread that runs through all of them that unfortunately doesn't run through all of the people who supposedly aspire, um, uh, who, who, who take on that particular philosophy. But one of the things that gave me hope as I was working through that station was the people I would meet and talk with about their perspectives. And I'm going, I would think when they would share with me, I'm going, yeah, but that's not the doctrine and dogma that your particular branch of Christianity teaches. But what it said to me was there's hope because these people are thinking for themselves. Is that part of the problem when it comes to this whole issue of prosperity and abundance, wealth, money, whatever other terms that you want to use, that they have latched onto the phrases and myths, so to speak, uh, that are perpetuated that actually are designed to keep them? from achieving, let's say that particular goal of uh, f- uh, uh, providing even better and more for their self fa- for themselves and for their families.
1: I mean, I think that that's yes. The answer is absolutely correct. And um, just like in religion, in all different religions, uh you know the common thing is it's bigger than us right there's different names for different things it's either bigger than us or it's in us that's bigger than us (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. kind of something Mm -hmm. like that right and so so i actually have an easier path with the whole spiritual journey because uh, i would say to myself you know i took my clients to bali and taught them how to leverage intuition in their business and their life and i'm like you know the first one went to bali these are the most grateful people I've ever met in my in, in my life. Mm. How can I say that they're from they're all going to hell? Like, are you serious? I don't see that. I don't, I don't feel that. I feel that, you know, if I had a cousin that was born in China, we're not gonna describe the same things exactly the same, you know? Mm-hmm. But now when we're talking about abundance and prosperity as it pertains to how do you get there, who's worthy of who's not, that is a lot of different propaganda. And I feel like you know, even when I go to when we go to college and we get education, we're trained to be really great employees, even if it's an MBA. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) We're trained to be really. But as far as now, they're just now putting entrepreneurship in schools in the last ten years. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. And so there are mindsets that are you know oh, well, money is the root of all evil or, you know, work harder to You gotta, you know, when you're in corporate and you're working 50, 60 hours and you're like, oh my gosh, how could I possibly work for myself? I'm gonna have to work 80 hours a week, but that's not true. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So there's yeah. a lot of assumptions and myths. I believe abundance is our birthright. Now, how do we get to the, get to that point is a journey that's different for all of us, but it is available. If you have people that we're born here, didn't have anything, we're born in different countries, come here, create something in other countries as well, or people that had funds and then they were able to, their next generation was able to stand on their shoulders to create something different, bigger and better. Well, we the commonality is that all those folks were human. Leg up or leg down, it is possible, but it does take work and it does take work ethic and it does take creativity and it does take you know, trusting yourself in some decisions that are against the grain. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And it also takes you knowing that, you know what, you're more than enough.
0: Yeah, that's a hard one for a lot of people to accept is that they are more than enough and uh, that they can do uh, anything they want. I used to ask this question at the end of the program. Uh to our guest, I I would have three questions. I will have three questions for you, but not this one. But the question that I used to ask was, uh, and and you can answer this question if you'd like, how powerful are we, Melissa?
1: We are super like crazy powerful. However, if someone has our minds, we're not as powerful. Yeah. So that's why we have to own our minds and our thinking. And know that the facts can be the facts, but check in with yourself, you know, because there's been a lot of times in history where the facts were laid out, but people still felt that uh, something's just not right about that. And if you look in history, they were the game changers. They were the heroes and the heroines. So be mindful of the fact that, oh, yes, abundance is your birthright and you can accomplish whatever you set out your mind to. Now, don't own the the time frame. Own the process. Don't own the results, own the process, because a lot of people, they look at all they want is the results. Yeah. And they don't commit to the process. Yeah.
0: There's There's a beautiful, well, there's a beautiful saying that I uh, quote from time to time. uh, Don't try to control the process, become part of the process. Yes, yes.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it's when you try to control it that things can go wrong.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not saying that because I read a book about it.
0: <laughs> right, right. Uh, from personal experience, I'm <laughs> sure, sure, as as I have done the same. Exactly. Yes, let's yes. let's talk a little bit about education now. There's obviously uh, in our a modern day we've got this whole thing going on about uh, forgiving uh, student loans up to twenty thousand dollars per student and so forth. And there's one group of people that doesn't want that to happen because it'll un- you know it's not fair to those people who paid their student loans and da 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 da. And the majority of the people who are complaining, specifically in politics, are ones who have benefited from that same gift of of student loan forgiveness many years ago. Apparently, they did it. And I'm thinking, what, are you jealous that these people uh, are are being given an opportunity to get unfettered from this, this, this albatross that's been placed around their neck? You know, now, granted, they did make the choice to go to this particular school to take on this particular loan. I get that. But it doesn't seem as though it's something they can ever get out from under. You know, I mean, I've heard some of the stories where 40 and 50 year olds are still paying off their student loans. Absolutely. That, that's absolutely. just not right. There's something wrong with that. Now, I'm not necessarily an advocate of free education, but here's where I'm going with this. What about the education that actually is free? I went to junior college for three semesters. I went to a vocational school for broadcasting for six months. And if and that's all of the formal education that I have had after 12th grade. That's it. But here I am. Right, right. 62 years of age.
1: And here you are. And here I am.
0: And here you are. So let's you talk are. a little bit about the free education that's available to everybody, because I don't think everybody is necessarily um, designed, so to speak, uh, to go to four year or even to to any kind of a college junior or otherwise.
1: Well, you know, obviously, I do believe there's, you know, there's opportunity to serve in all different manners. Right. And there's no there's no final playbook on how to do that. Everyone needs to follow their own path. And there's no, there's not a right or wrong. All I would say is be the best at whatever you do, whatever that is, be the best, do better than you did yesterday, each and every day, Mm. because, you know, there are a lot of people that have these degrees and they can't get a job. Yeah. They're stuck with an education that their, their job can't even begin to pay for that degree. So there's a lot of different things that happen with education. And I'm just saying, do the best that you can, with what you have. The only thing that I see about a degree is, and it can be done in different ways, because people go to the military, they go, I say there's, it's good to know that you can start something and finish something. So more than the degree, I don't really care if it's in basketball, it can be like, did you finish what you started? You know? yeah. like, like, and and oftentimes, why do people not finish it? Because they feel like they lose interest, they feel like, oh, this is, I'm, I'm just not cut out. For this. So don't be discouraged. Find the thing that's there for you and be okay with exploring what that is. I mean, a lot of times back in the day, all they talked about was teachers, lawyers, doctors, you know, firemen, policemen. They were traditional roles, if you will. If you look at the world today, so many roles are not what I was told that were my options when I started in school. So that's why everything is not. Uh, only only that four-year degree. And even if you have a four-year degree, you still have to keep on learning. It's not one and done. Yeah. So take advantage of the opportunities in life, follow what you want to do and be the best. You know, that's how you're able to monetize in the best way. Bring your very best to each opportunity and doors will open because that's the mindset that you had going in.
0: The mindset is 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 enormous. And I had um i had an opportunity back back in the eighties to take on a different mindset and i didn't because my boss at the time the general manager of the station he lived by the law of diminishing returns don't put out any more than you expect to get back and i just couldn't do that i just i just it didn't make any sense if i'm going to be of service to people and it's this, these were ministers and pastors and lay people who had these programs on the, on the station and they had these little projects that they wanted to do. And I had a rate, but they couldn't afford that rate. I mean, these were small, small time folks, you know. And I thought, you know what, it's going to be better for me if I do the little projects for what I can get than not to do the projects at all. Because it isn't just about the money; it's about the experience, and it's about helping these people to put out a message that they believe in, whether I believe in it or not. The content's irrelevant. Okay, okay. that's none of my business. What the content is, if if somebody cannot understand what they're saying through the modality that they're using, then their message is for naught. So Never I took, saw. yeah. So <laughs> I took on those projects, and I still do that to this day. Although uh... i remember and i still remember the very first time that i uh, went to someone back then and they asked me what my rate was and i kinda it's um, you know waiting for them to say, no, i don't want to do it I'm, and they okay sure no problem I'm, really Wait. really <laughs> wow okay great you know and and i i got over that that mental hurdle of you know what it's okay to ask if they say no you can still negotiate there's no you know and nothing is set in stone you know, right. yeah. so um, exchange, yes. an important issue, because when I would hire people and then I would say, oh, hey, by the way, uh, could you please clean the bathroom? You guys don't pay me enough to do that. Uh, but that was in the job description when you were hired.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right.
0: <laughs> and I remember a news story back then on ABC News. Uh, it was about Motorola. This was back in the eighties and Motorola was laying off around a thousand people because they'd done an audit and found that there was about a million dollars worth of materials missing. Hmm. And so they laid all these people off. They weren't necessarily accusing them, but karma being what it is, um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the folks that were laid off weren't responsible by basically saying, look, they don't pay me uh, enough. So I'm going to take this and I'm going to take the stapler and I'm going to take that and the other thing. And I, I thought, first of all, what a shame, you know, that they, that was their mindset. But the other thing too, that struck me, Melissa was this, how many of those people hated their jobs? And that the reality is this was like, uh, you know, and, and even in 2008 during the downturn then when hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs, the same question. I wonder how many of these people hated their jobs. But then shortly after all of that happened, entrepreneurism began to explode across this country. Um, mindset, it, it really seems like, um, and I know there's the catchphrase mindfulness kind of being in the moment kind of thing talk to us about that as part of the training that you share with the folks that you work with
1: sure so um when it comes to the mindset and being mindful uh, it's really like so if I, so i support people in being able to monetize their sole purpose the nature of what i do the nature of my business uh, I have to be in full integrity, right? Like so period. So, so I call I say, I work for the boss of all bosses. So I say, I work for God, right? Cause I feel like sure. God is like, if you were ever working for someone and they were a great boss, what do they do? If the customers are taken care of and the money's coming to the company, what they do, they say, Hey, Richard, what can I do for you? you? Need some time off? What can I do? Like they just make sure you're okay. Right. And so when it comes to having the right mindset, it has to be steeped from a place of abundance mm-hmm. because if it's not you're gonna block your own blessings unbeknownst to you. Now, it's a, there's a distinction between having healthy boundaries and, and being in a place of abundance. Abundance doesn't mean that you have everybody walk over you. Abundance means that things are possible, that there is a way to create abundance in this world and also be um be, be willing to expand. Abundance and mindset goes I need to, my clients, I support them in expansion. For example, I had a client and she said, you know what? She's like, oh, you know, um, you know, white males really, she was an African-American woman. She says, white males, they don't really, they'll never be my customers. I said, stop that. Excuse me. What did you say? She said, you know, white males, they'll never be my customers. I said, okay. I said, I hear you. Show me evidence of that. And the evidence that she had is that she's already had white guys as her customers. So I was like, that mindset will like put the blinders on. Yeah, you know, it's like if you if you're not open to the possibility or people say in business, they say, oh, well, nobody's buying. Nobody's buying these days. Right. And so, okay, well, let's look at what that looks like. So what did you do? What did you do in the last? What did you do last week to get customers? Oh, well, you know, I had a customer. I had a friend come into town and we. okay, that's fine. What did you do this last month to get customers? And when you look at when you look at the behavior, when they have a mindset that nobody's buying, I had a client and she is in Puerto Rico and she says, oh, well, I don't really do business in the summertime because nobody's buying. Mm-hmm. I said, pause. Okay. So what does that look like? I said, so how many RFPs did you send out? How many proposals did you submit? And how many they came back without like saying they weren't buying? She hadn't done the exercise. Mm. When she started doing the exercise, she had one of the best years in her whole year. <laughs> she, she, wow. she was getting craft customers. So the mindset is a very interesting being mindful of what truth are you trying to plant in your, in your, in your mind and in your soul, because whatever that is that you're planning, that's what you're going to see more of. That's why it's so important. Now, when I say mindset, I have to be honest with you. They talk about limiting beliefs. Well, nobody knows they have limiting beliefs.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Nobody walks. Oh, I have limiting beliefs. I want to No, That's not how it works out. But if you know that you're not getting, uh, if you know you're getting the wrong customers, if you know it's like a dredge for you to serve the customers, if you know that you're off balance because you're out there serving the world, but yet your health is being compromised, um, you know you're you don't you're not getting handsomely compensated for you know your customer they're making millions, but you still have like barely a thousand in the bank account. Something's off here, you know mm-hmm. something's off. So so then you want to entertain like well what exactly can I do? That's what's so beautiful and powerful about mindset. What can I do to change? how I'm thinking about this, Mm -hmm. to have an opportunity to come up with a solution on the back end. And so I'm high accountability, firm love, and I do take a stand for what are you thinking to create your
0: reality? Is there more than enough? And can we all be millionaires?
1: Everybody's not willing to do the work.
0: So the answer is no on the second part.
1: Yeah. So yeah, because it's what are you willing to do? Yeah. What are what sacrifices are you willing to make? How coachable are you? Yeah. You know, there's some people that are not coachable. So I couldn't even walk them a million dollars if I, if I could, because they just they yeah. just wouldn't be willing to receive it. So no, everybody is not able to be a millionaire. It's not that we're not capable. Everybody is capable. You know, I people 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 that people have counted out have come back and become millionaires. Mm. Um, but you but but does everybody make those sacrifices? Can everybody you know show up in those hard times everybody is persistent and persevere you know there there's a lot that goes into being business owners and being able to accomplish those goals I would never count anybody out I think that's what my clients do like about me because I'm not trying to paint a picture for you but I am looking at your actions are you coachable Mm -hmm. are you are you decisive will you do the work you know I teach you do Let's, and then we come back together and we say, okay, what? how did that work for you? Okay, I can coach you to keep on doing this with grace and ease. But you have to be willing even to fall down and mess up. Some people aren't willing to do that. They're too afraid of, well, what will people say about me? You know, oh my gosh, what will they say? What will they think? That will hold you hostage from your own dreams.
0: Let me ask you that other question again. Is there more than enough? I, You know, we're constantly hearing, if you're listening to the news, that we're in a recession or heading for one, and there's inflation, and I've still never—I I, kind of take on the line of Harry Chapin in one of his songs: um, "Who makes what inflate?" None of this has ever <laughs> made has never made any sense to me. You have a loaf of bread, you have several loaves of bread on the shelf uh, today, and you, the the the, mar- the store owner, you paid thirty cents a loaf, and you're charging sixty. That's fine. Whatever you want to charge, that's fine for those six loaves of bread. But then the next day you hear that there's inflation and you jack up the price of the bread to 90 cents. Why? Right. Why? It is, it
1: is. And there is more than enough. But how we as human beings use our resources and yeah. share our resources and distribute our resources is a huge part of the appearance of massive scarcity. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's massive wealth and there's massive abundance. I remember in some of the hardest hit times, you know, the Ritz-Carlton Hawaii is oftentimes sold out and it's at least a thousand something a night.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. And they're booked to the hills. So money is there. It's just money's always flowing. It's always flowing.
0: It needs to be flowing. You
1: know what I mean? So, so no, I, there is always more than enough. However, there are systems that will decide who gets what, when, uh, do you even get anything? You know, it's just it's just a lot that goes into that. Yeah. But really, there is more than enough
0: mm-hmm. To that end, should our economy or the the economic aspect of our lives, then this is what I have heard. And to me, it, it's a myth. But should the economy be the core, the core, of our existence because I look at nature I use this phrase nature is our greatest teacher I don't see the economy being the core of the natural world
1: right so no we are the economy like you can be your own economy in the toughest of times, what, are the, what, do, what do people do? Get together, villages, towns. We get together, we figure it out. We create our own abundance. We figure out what we can provide in that. So when we work together, we can create our own economy. I know that during the pandemic, my clients, they made some of them, they were the most profitable years mm-hmm. during a pandemic. So why? It's not because they were superhuman. It was that I was able to support them in keeping their eyes on the process. The people still need you. You know, I had to give them the talk, you know, we eat tsunamis and hurricanes for breakfast and we're going to go out there and keep on serving the world. Like, you know, and I let I remind them, like, this is a global pandemic, but we've all been through a personal pandemic. So come on now. Like, this is not going to take you out. You have to be focused on who can who can you serve in this time. Some of our services were complimentary because of what we needed to provide the humanity. We need to let them know that, hey, let's keep our lights shining. Mm-hmm. so that they'll be able to do their thing and they get clarity in these dark times but at the same time relationships were still compromised yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. career goals and choices were still it's still needing people help with that businesses still needed help so no we did not experience a downtime economically but we made sure that we kept our eyes on the prize who can we serve and how can we serve slightly different and still serve i let them know that the pandemic did not take them off the hook from serving the people that they say they're taking a stand for in the
0: world because
1: those people need them more than ever.
0: I saw a couple of things happen. Uh, The day that uh, the pandemic was declared and they shut down the country, it was St. Patrick's Day, 2020. It was the anniversary of um, my taking the full-time position here. And um, the, the two things went through my mind. If we follow the guidelines that we are asked to follow for three months, we could be done with this. Three months. We could be done. But I don't think the will was there. The second thing that I was aware of was all of the opportunities we didn't even know existed yet down the road. And three, we were doing something different. For the first time in my lifetime, most everybody on the planet, except those who lived through the Spanish flu, uh, we were doing something different, which meant the outcome, the, the, it, coming out the other end was going to be different. Whether we liked it or not was a whole other thing, but it was going to be different. Yes. Yeah. And those were the things that stuck out to me and the, the abundance of food, did you see the stories of all of these different restaurants across this country who stepped up saying, well, we've got all this food in our pantries. We don't want it to go to waste. We, we need to do something with it. We need to share it with the people in our communities. And they just went to town. And I was thinking, well, where in the heck is there a shortage of food? I don't see it, you know. No. Giants are
1: rising up. Giants are rising up to be of yeah, service. Yeah, And you know what? When that restaurant or those restaurants or other businesses did that, guess who we're going to be patron? Pa- the pa- we're going to patron those businesses. We're never going to forget who was there for us Yeah, in those times because exactly. we all have choices. Mm-hmm. And that's what they chose to do. So then I choose powerfully to patron their business because of how they showed up.
0: It is quite extraordinary. And uh, our conversation continues here with Melissa Hughes. She she is a philanthropist. MelissaHughes.com is the website. And this is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, uh, Melissa Hughes. I want to ask you, is there any relation uh, to Howard Hughes uh, or the the Hughes Aircraft Company of uh, long ago?
1: Well, I would have to say, absolutely not. And I married into Hughes. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs>
1: okay. Like I married into Michigan, I married into Hughes. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. What is on the horizon as you see it for Melissa Hughes, but also for us as a country with the current situation? considered
1: right and so what's up for being in relation to the country as i say i try to support giants and equip giants i believe and i was sharing this with some of my clients and uh, some prospective clients the other day i believe that it's going to get rockier as far as the kind of information that's going to be out there i believe that um there's going to be still more discord and dissents um that's going to be out there as well and so it's going to force us to choose um, how we want to live our life. It's going to force us to really check in with ourselves to get the true guidance. And so that is why in this season, I'm, I am taking a stand to teach entrepreneurs and business leaders how to leverage their intuition in addition to the facts, so that they can choose powerfully in times of uncertainty without second guessing themselves. I feel like that is something, you know, everybody has it. So it's not unique to one person over another. The more you use it, the stronger you get at it. Mm -hmm. And um, we can all we can do with all the change that will continue to happen is live by our guiding principles, whatever that is for you. And also know that there's that internal divine guidance that can support you it comes with the it comes with the packaging and with the from the manufacturer <laughs> it comes with the package so mm-hmm. so it is supposed to be that supporting us in that guide and to look for and to encourage people to see people a lot of times we see the book covers the book ends but we actually don't take time out to look inside the book and see what's also there that's brilliant to uncover and unfold and also see some similarities we're all tied to this thing called the human race so what can we do to be be stronger be more supportive not to say you have to change mm-hmm. i'm not asking you to change themselves heck be all that you can be however there's room for disagreements if we still honor each other as human beings that we're birthed. We all have a mom and a pop, as far as I know it. <laughs> we all, we all, you know, we all bleed. We all have emotions. So with all the change that's going on, let's go back to those basics of, you know, be kind to yourself and be kind to others.
0: Mm, very good. Let me ask you, before we wrap things up here, uh, if there is uh, any impact in what you have been able to accomplish Uh, in spite of or because of the fact that you're not just a woman, but you're a black woman.
1: Yes. So I've always tried to, well, first of all, being a founder of Live Rich Spread Wealth, my goal is to impact 10 million people to live rich and spread wealth. And so what that means is Live Rich is really accepting all of who you are. The quirky, your education, your experiences, and supporting humanity positively and making room for the abundance that you provide. I was at three million, and I was like, "I'm not getting any younger." <laughs> so, so I just came out with a documentary, and that documentary provides that blueprint for anyone that's like, "All right, all right, sister, this black woman, how did she get and do the things that she did?" I said, "You know what? I'm going to put it out there so that you will see the ups and downs, but that is still possible. Uh, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I'm just as human as the other person, and I make a lot of mistakes." My, my bounce back's just more fierce, <laughs> meaning that before when I fell down, I'd be there, you know, and in the fall down. Now you might not even catch me. I get up so fast. <laughs> you don't even know that I fell. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I definitely believe that, um, you know, this is the time to to continue to support others and growing. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm up to. That's how I'm really making this impact in the world. So that's just one of the ways that I feel like, you know, it's each one teach one and share behind the curtains. A lot of times people are so comfortable with saying, oh, these are all my successes. But they don't tell you, well, how did you get there? what did you do? Yeah, And so um, that's just one way that I can give back and let them see that. That's, that'll always be complimentary. There'll never be a charge for that documentary because it's part of inspiring people to live rich and spread wealth.
0: Mm. Well, I have to say, this has been a very fascinating conversation with you, I've really enjoyed it, and I hope that we can have you back to talk more, uh, maybe get into some specifics in terms of people that come to you for the very first time and, and uh, how you go about the process of assessing where they are so that you know where you need to start. But I'm sure that you have some basic principles that you follow, and I'd love to uh, follow up on that.
1: Absolutely, Richard. It's been nothing but a joy being here with you. I, like I said, I love what you're doing. And so for all the things that you've been through in your life, I want to say thank you for being the courageous man that you are, to stay true to what you believe and to be that voice. Uh, it's not. It doesn't go unappreciated, and I just want to say thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you today.
0: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. Before we go to the three final questions, I do want to address you, the listener and the viewer. Thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We are streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com and we podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry. I think it's Burberry, but anyway, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we are also on YouTube. We have channels on SoundCloud and YouTube. We hope that you will subscribe. We hope that you will uh, allow yourself to be notified every time a new interview is posted so that you can continue your your education. I consider uh, that I'm getting an education as well as getting therapy at the same time. These programs have been therapy for me uh, since I've been doing these 43 years ago, and even more so nowadays to to better understand myself and to better understand ways of serving the people around me better, uh, as well as taking care of myself. We have to take care of self as well. So uh, don't neglect self. I'm not talking about narcissism here. I'm talking about taking care. I mean... The last time I was at the beach was on Saturday night when my wife and I drove down to the ice cream parlor, got some ice cream and went down and parked uh, in the parking lot there and just sat there listening to the ocean and some music and just enjoying that time. Uh, But uh, I need to get out and see it during the day, listen to the surf roll in, get mesmerized, so to speak. Uh, It's a beautiful thing. And uh, so anyway, we hope that you'll do that. We also hope that you will maybe spend some time at the beach, if you have one, uh, listening to that still, small voice, going within and listening, or maybe just being quiet and still. Um, I think a great uh, passage from, uh, from the Bible, the Old Testament, Be still and know that I am God. Not me, but the God that you serve. And with that, we also encourage you to support us if you can do so financially. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. We'll take any amount. Any amount is greatly appreciated. We'll take energetic support. Just send it it our way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to those who have helped. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you to those who will help. With that being said, I want to go now to our three final questions. I will tell you that they've changed. Since we started our 15th year back on the 7th of September of 2022, Uh, two of them are still the same. But the third one is a little different. I hope you get the reference. The first one, though, is who is Melissa Hughes?
1: I am a soul that's here to support people in finding their joy. One of the souls.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: My life's purpose is to support the giants and be able to monetize their sole purpose, answer their divine assignment, and be
0: profitable in in doing that and being of service to the the world. And finally, what was your best day? Today. (laughs) Today. I mean, it's
1: a blessing to be here. It wasn't guaranteed, Richard.
0: <laughs> that is true. That is true. Wonderful. Well, Melissa, thank you so much, Melissa Hughes, for joining us. We encourage people to go to your website, melissahughes.com. We look forward to having you back on the program to, to follow up on uh, uh, some of the things that you're doing, as well as to maybe go down uh, go down the list of the, the different principles. I don't know, one through five, one through ten, what have you, uh, to, to give people an idea of... Um, the kind of um, mentoring that you would provide to them to make their dreams come true, to monetize, if that's what they want to do, to monetize uh, their life's purpose. And um, we uh, we look forward to that opportunity. And again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Richard.
0: It's been an honor. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and Jeanette. I'm listening.